Brothers and sisters, good morning, or maybe it's good afternoon to you. We are first of all brothers and sisters in God's one family. But secondly, at least for today, we are also a Methodist church family here in Singapore. And as Methodist Christians, we come together every year around May the 24th to celebrate the heartwarming experience of Methodism's founder, John Wesley. This experience took place for Wesley in a house along Aldersgate Street in London. And so Methodists sometimes call May the 24th Aldersgate Day. This year we have also invited a fellow Methodist from Britain, the Professor David Wilkinson, to help us celebrate. Professor Wilkinson is both a theologian and astrophysicist. He will suggest some implications for our understanding of God in the light of modern scientific arguments for intelligent alien life in galaxies beyond our own solar system. So please join us on this journey through both scientific evidence and science fiction to galaxies beyond our own, beyond our universe to the multiverse. Invite your friends as well. They don't need to be Methodists, nor even Christian, nor even Star Wars or Star Trek fans. All earthlings are welcome. But what do these explorations into distant galaxies have to do with John Wesley's Aldersgate Day heartwarming experience? Well, I don't know what Professor David's lectures will say. He might not even try to connect this to Aldersgate. Our Aldersgate lecture topics are not always related to Wesley's heartwarming experience with God. But let me guess at a possible connection. And in so doing, introduce the scripture text from Acts chapter 10, which I will reflect on today. Perhaps these enterprising explorations of other galaxies reveal a basic hunger in our humanity to connect with or to make contact with some form of intelligent life or power which is something mysterious to us, something beyond us. There is a hunger in our hearts and our minds for something or someone beyond what our own material and physical world offers. And it is this same hunger in our hearts for something or someone more that inspired John Wesley's Aldersgate experience on May the 24th, 1738. Now, Wesley was already a deeply religious and devout man an ordained Anglican priest who had gone as a missionary from England to America, preaching the Christian gospel. But from his diaries, we read that he was still hungering and thirsting for a deeper connection with God. He could preach and talk about God's love and forgiveness for sin. But deep down in his heart, he didn't feel sure that there was a God who truly loved him. He didn't feel sure that God had really forgiven his many sins. But on that May 24th night in Aldersgate Street, Wesley writes, I felt my heart strangely warmed, and an assurance was given me that Christ had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. I felt my heart strangely warmed. 
Maybe Wesley's hunger or quest for a deeper assurance of God's love is a hunger that is common to all human beings. And maybe Wesley's story reveals a God who wants all human beings to have such heartwarming experiences of love divine or love's excelling. Acts 10 reveals such a God of love, a God who gives to two very religious persons a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience of divine love for all peoples. The first man is Cornelius. He was an Italian soldier in the Roman army. Verse 2 describes him and his whole family as devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. A good, God-fearing or godly man. But although he was a good religious man, he was not a religious Jew. The second man is Peter. Peter was a religious Jew who believed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah or Christ. We might say he was Jewish Christian, although the term Christian had not yet been coined. So two men, Cornelius, a non-Jewish, non-Christian, religious neighbor, and Peter, a Jewish and Christian religious man. Now of the two men, Acts chapter 10 and 11, devote more space to describing Peter's heartwarming or mind-expanding experience of God's love. So today I will also spend more time on Peter, the Christian Jew. But since there may be a few of us today who might not call ourselves Christians, let me say at least a little bit about Cornelius and God in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was a religious man, a good devout, God-fearing man who regularly gave money to the poor. But even though Cornelius was not a Christian, the God of the Christian Bible sent an angel to speak to Cornelius. Verses 3 and 4. And the angel assures Cornelius that his prayers and his gifts to the poor have been pleasing to God, like a fragrant offering. And the angel invites Cornelius to a deeper experience of God's love. Now, I guess Cornelius could have ignored the angel's instructions. And if he did ignore it, we probably would not have his story recorded for us in the Bible. But Cornelius responded positively to the angel's invitation. And verses 44 to 46 record that both Cornelius and his friends end up receiving a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience of God. And so, if any of us here today identify a little bit with Cornelius, good, God-fearing, respectful persons who give regularly to the poor but would not yet call ourselves Christians, maybe today's Bible story is God's invitation to us. God's way of inviting us to a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience of God's Holy Spirit. May we, like Cornelius and John Wesley, come to feel our hearts strangely warmed by the love of God 
revealed through Jesus the Christ. But now we turn to the second religious man in the story, Peter, a Jewish Christian. Peter believed that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah of God. But for Peter, the Messiah or the Christ was fundamental to Jewish religion. And so he assumed that to believe in Christ would mean conversion to Jewish religion. And in Peter's day, conversion to Jewish religion involved the ritual of circumcision for men and the adoption of kosher food laws for women. But God amazes Peter with a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience. And Peter comes to understand that conversion to Jewish religion was not necessary to becoming a Christian believer in Jesus, the Messiah of Jewish religion. The Christian God accepted good religious people like Cornelius, even if they never embraced the fundamental Jewish practices of circumcision and kosher food laws. Here is how Peter described his expanded appreciation of God's love. Verses 34 to 35. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God accepts from every nation. Not only people from the Jewish nation, or only people who adopt Jewish practices. No. God accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Let me also quote John Wesley's comments on this verse. He that first reverences God as great, wise, good, the cause, end, and governor of all things, and secondly, from this awful regard to God, not only avoids all known evil, but endeavors, according to the best light he has, to do all things well, such a person is accepted of God through Christ, even though he knows Christ not. The assertion is expressed, and admits of no exception. He is in the favour of God, whether enjoying his written word and ordinances or not. Such a person, like the religious, God-fearing, not-yet-Christian Cornelius, quote, is accepted of God through Christ, though he knows Christ not, unquote. Can this be true? Not every God-fearing, Bible-reading Methodist Christian would agree with John Wesley. But for what it is worth, this Methodist Christian does. The assertion in this Bible verse is express and admits of no exception. He is in the favour of God, whether enjoying his written word and ordinances or not. The Christian God, described in Acts chapter 10, verse 35, accepts, quote, from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right, unquote. And so Peter, the Jewish Christian, 
gained a deeper appreciation of the love of God. God does not show favoritism to Jewish religion. God accepts and loves from every nation those who fear Him and do what is right. Now, in those days, one's religion was almost always closely tied up with the nation or the community in which one lived. And this is probably still true for people in many nations today. And so the phrase, from every nation, is another way of saying, from every language, race, or religion. God wanted to help Peter, a religious Christian, grow in his appreciation of the wideness of God's accepting love. Persons like Cornelius, good, God-fearing, or religious neighbors. Such persons are accepted and loved by the God of the Christian Bible, regardless of language, race, or religion. Bessie, like Peter, was also a church Christian. She was a Christian who thought that God accepted only those who came to church and followed church religious traditions. Bessie's mother was a good religious person, but she was not a church Christian. And Bessie was praying for her mum to become a church Christian. One day, Bessie invited some of her church friends to meet her mum at her house. Her church friends noticed an altar area with an idol and food offerings. They asked Bessie about this, and Bessie explained that her mother was very devout in observing her religious traditions. Her friends began to speak to Bessie's mum in what they thought was a very polite manner. Auntie, there is no need to have such an altar or to waste any of your money on maintaining such offerings and practices. You can have joy and peace simply by praying to Jesus. There's no need to have a food altar or to pray to anybody else. Bessie's mom listened quietly and smiled. But after Bessie's friends had left, she told Bessie that she would prefer if her friends did not come back to visit again. She felt they were rather rude to offer her advice when they were only invited guests to her home. At church the following Sunday, Bessie's friends told Bessie that she should tell her mother to remove the altar. Since Bessie was now the only breadwinner at home, her mum should be willing to respect Bessie's wishes to remove the altar and to pray only to the Christian God. Bessie was unsure whether to take the advice of her friends or not. So she talked to her pastor. She explained to him that her mother was a very kind, very religious person who had an ancestral family altar at home. Now that her mother was getting old and she wanted to teach Bessie where to buy the necessary items for the altar, to learn the meticulous customs on keeping the ancestral altar clean, putting everything in its proper place. Bessie, out of love and respect for her mother, had learned how to do everything properly according to her devout mother's instructions. Was Bessie wrong to do this as a Christian? 
Would this be unacceptable to the Christian God for Bessie to do this? Were Bessie's friends correct to say she should tell her mum that it was time to remove the altar and stop her religious practices? Bessie's pastor listened carefully and then read two verses from the Bible to her. The first was from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. There Jesus tells us, In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Bessie remembered how when she first told her mum that she had decided to become a Christian and to attend church every Sunday, Bessie's religious and kind mother did not try to stop her or to say that this was a bad Western religion. No, instead, she told Bessie that if this religion helped you find peace and taught you to do good to others, then Bessie was free to do as she pleased. Bessie was so happy and relieved that her mother treated her in this very kind and respectful way. Then her pastor shared a second verse with Bessie. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Bessie knew that her mum was certainly someone like Cornelius, a good, religious, but non-Christian person. Someone who was God-fearing and always tried to do what was right and good. Bessie thought about these two verses. She prayed to God and decided that one of the ways in which she would show love to her religious mother was to help her mother prepare and maintain the altar and food offerings every week. Some of Bessie's church friends heard about this and they were appalled. How could a faithful Christian like Bessie be actively involved in preparing an altar table of another religious belief system? They urged Bessie to stand up to her mother and to tell her mother to remove the altar and idols. They told Bessie how another church member had confronted her parents and those parents had started coming to church right now. And Bessie should do the same. But Bessie felt uncomfortable with such a confrontational approach. She remembered Jesus' command in Matthew 7.12 to treat others the way we would want them to treat us, to love our neighbours in the way we would love ourselves. And Bessie felt that she would not have wanted her mother to treat her in such a confrontational way when she wanted to attend church. She also thought about how her mother had become less open to Christ after the visit from these friends and their attempts to make her remove her ancestral altar. So Bessie decided she should love her religious mother by treating her in the way that she had been so lovingly treated herself. Bessie kept helping her mother prepare the food offerings at the altar table. Bessie told her mother that she was very happy to do so and that the God of her Christian Bible taught her to show such filial and loving respect to her parents. One day, Bessie's mother asked Bessie to read the Bible aloud to her and to pray Christian prayers for her. She wanted to know more 
about this God who taught her daughter to be such a good filial child. And six months later, Bessie's mother started praying in the name of Jesus the Christ for herself. And soon after that, she decided on her own that there was no need to maintain the altar table and food offerings. Bessie's experience in some ways echoes what Peter the Christian experienced in Acts chapter 10. Peter's narrow understanding of God and Jewish religion made Peter reluctant initially to accept any invitation to have a meal in the home of a neighbour whose religion was different from his own. Peter thought that the God of his religion somehow regarded such respectful acceptance as unclean or not kosher. But God gave Peter a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience of the wideness of God's love. Peter's understanding and appreciation of God's love widened and deepened. Peter came to realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Peter accepted the hospitality of Cornelius and visited him at home. And in the end, through this mutual exchange of respectful speaking and listening and eating, Cornelius also experienced a heartwarming, mind-expanding appreciation of God's Holy Spirit of love. Verse 48 implies that Cornelius and his friends ended up accepting baptism in the name of Christ. I wonder, just maybe, if more Christians were more loving to their religious neighbours, then maybe, maybe many more religious neighbours would end up being much more receptive to accepting the Christian God. The Christian God of the Bible who accepts not only people from Jewish and church religions, but people from every nation and religion who are God-fearing and who do good. Cornelius and Peter were good religious persons who gained a deeper understanding of the wideness of God's accepting love. John Wesley was a good religious churchman who received a heartwarming, mind-expanding experience of the wideness of God's accepting love. A Pew study done in 2012 rated Singapore to be the most religiously diverse country in the world. Our recent population stats indicate that over 80% of us have some religious affiliation. So it is more than likely that you and I have many religious neighbours and friends, good religious neighbours, like Cornelius and Bessie's mother. As we celebrate John Wesley's heartwarming experience on Aldersgate Day, May our own hearts be warmed to obey Jesus' command to love God by being kind and loving to our religious neighbours. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness 
of the sea. These are the opening lines of a hymn that is found in our Methodist hymnals. It was written by the same person who composed the better known hymn, Faith of our fathers living still. Frederick Faber was not a Methodist, but his hymn reflects the same understanding of love divine, all loves are excelling, which Charles and John Wesley experienced. A wideness of mercy and love that accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Let me end by inviting all of us to sing together. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice which is more than liberty. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. If our love were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word, and our lives would be illumined by the presence of our Lord. May all our hearts and the hearts of our religious neighbors be wonderfully warmed by the wideness of God's love.